0: Hi, this is the Fam Like a Ghost. We have Charity Ray on the line.
1: Hi, how you doing?
0: Good. I've been listening to your music on your SoundCloud. You can kind of hear it in the background. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So just to prepare for the for the show, but um, yeah, I like I like your vibe. You definitely have that Amy Winehouse like uh, reference points when when, uh. you're, when you're playing. So that's cool.
1: Thank you, man. I really appreciate that. You know, she's uh, she's one of my biggest inspirations, for sure.
0: Yeah, she was great. You know, I was reading um, your bio, so let me just read off for our fans. Um, to kind of give you an intro, i like to introduce each artist. So I'm going to read off your webpage. Okay. So Charity Ray-, Ray is a singer-songwriter from Austin, Texas. Her unique vocals resemble that of the late Amy Whitehouse. Her inspiration comes from Adele, the late Amy, Jesse, Reyes, uh, so far sounds, and you have a passion for uh, music in all of your performances. You have an acoustic rhythm style that's really, uh, you know, vibrant and uh, powerful. And I, I like that kind of rawness because I'm, I'm an old school guy. I like Neil Young. I like Dylan, you know, oh, Arlo yeah. Guthrie, all that, all that old school stuff. Even though I'm a keyboard player, and I'm a synthesis guy, I love listening to like classic, you know, seventies. 60s rock and that's a lot of it is acoustic a lot of it is kind of you know raw and honest and I I like that 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 kind of comes through when when you use an acoustic guitar it's like if you use a raw piano you can Mm -hmm. have a lot of a lot of power
1: yeah for sure man there's just something that you know kind of strips away all the other sounds and and you can really just connect more I feel like with the, uh, the artist and the song, you know, it just kind of strips away all that extra.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's why I like to use Moogs rather than using, like, digital audio workstations. Because a Moog, even though it's an electronic instrument, it, it has a kind of rawness of an acoustic instrument. And so mm-hmm. when you use, like, electronic analog instruments like Moogs, you can kind of have a rawness that gives a little bit more honesty than doing something off a DAW. A digital audio workstation
1: <laughs> yeah but. definitely
0: so let me get into the questions that i sent you for
1: sure, so, for sure. W-
0: when did you first get into music like what age
1: all right so it was about middle school i'd say eighth grade i grew up very um like with a religious family very christian wasn't allowed to listen to any non-christian music um oh. and then in eighth grade my dad slipped me a Beatles CD. It was the Beatles' number one album. And I replayed that thing until <laughs> it got so scratched, like over and over. And I told him, you know, it was, it was done. So he bought me a CCR CD. Oh, and I wow. mean, I just fell in love with, with music and with the 60s and that whole era, man. Yeah,
0: you know? yeah. I'm a child of the 70s. I was, I was born in '67. And, um, like, I grew up listening to Hendrix and the Doors and the Almonds and all that great music.
1: Yes.
0: And I just, you know, my, my father had a jazz collection, you know, with Davis and Coltrane. He had, like, he had, um, like James Brown, 75, 78s. Um,
1: oh, man. And so
0: I, I just had all this great music, and I just became a musician. Um, you know, as a passion. And, you know, finally, after 30 years, I finally got signed. It took me 30 years to get signed to a record label. <laughs> I hey,
1: man, but you did it, you yeah, know? Yeah,
0: but you just can't stop. It's like for anybody that's like starting off and they're in their 20s or they're younger, uh, you know, I'm 51 and I got signed to age 51. So you just can't let you go your dream because eventually if you have a lot of passion about it, you can you can kind of get picked up. So Oh,
1: man, I support that 100%. I agree with that 100
0: that's so, so true. Yeah, because I, I was with all these people when I was growing up, and they let their dream of music get taken away by other things. And I do have to do a day job. I, mean, I Uber and I do other things. But but you know, it's like you, if you have that passion, even if you don't hit, you do it because you love the music. You know, that's you do it because then eventually the world will come to you, or you just you keep on doing it, you just make it happen. <laughs> um, so how, you've been working on music ever since you got that revelation with the Beatles and uh, CCR?
1: Yeah. Um, so I really didn't come to start working on music. <clears throat> my dad bought me my first guitar, I want to say around college. And mm-hmm. for a straight year, I was just trying to train my fingers to learn chords, you know, just strumming yeah. hard, terrible. Um, but I didn't start actually playing music for other people outside of my bedroom until this past year. This past year, I just kind of realized that this has been my dream, and it's been my dream for a long time, and the amount of feedback I've gotten from people has just been really empowering and um, supportive, so this is really something I just have uh, recently been aware of that it's something that I need to keep pursuing.
0: Yeah, I would just say, you know, based on the way my life went, you know, you just any opportunity to collaborate or play live when you're a musician, you just go with it. You keep on growing. You keep on doing what you're doing. And even if you can't get other people to play with you just keep your chops up and just keep on doing it because you never know when the opportunity is going to happen. It's like a lot of times when, you, when it's not working, like the next day is when you think it's going to pack it and then something happens, and it, it, you know, so you just got to, you believe in music not to be, like, number one. You believe in it because you love it. You know, you, that's the way I see it. But you had mentioned, like, uh, maybe we talk about, um, like, when did you decide that you weren't going to just do covers, that you're going to write your own music? Because there are musicians, there are studio musicians, there are musicians that just play, you know, sheet music. They play other people's music, but they never come up with their own. Mm-hmm. So when did you feel like you actually had something to say and you knew that you had a voice you wanted to put out there
1: sure sure i didn't really have a moment of like this is when i realized i think it was kind of just a bunch of sporadic moments that i had um just starting with jamming really with friends you know in garages and get-togethers um a friend of mine's a really good guitarist and Mm -hmm. so he would just play you know we'd party and i just started flowing like i never sat down and wrote lyrics in a book um, most of all of my songs have been just listening to either a guitar playing or a beat um, and then flowing what's in my heart and like what's in my soul. And usually I'll record it. So then I'll go back and, you know, write down whatever wow. I sang.
0: That, that, that's exactly what I do. I do it what I, I call a stream of consciousness. Um, okay. About recording. It's kind of old school. Back in the 70s, people would go into studios, even in the 60s. And they'd let the tape run and bands would go and they put stuff down and a lot of songs come from just jam sessions you know back in the 60s when people could go into recording stores with a full band bands would just put down stuff and then they just kind of experiment and they go through the tapes and say hey that's the song you know and and you go back and you transcribe it and you put down the lyrics and maybe you tighten it up later but you kind of just go with what what instead of just you know there's some musicians that are like pure musicians And Uh they actually sit down on the sheet music and they write it out like a Carol King or somebody like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's other, you know, types of ways of writing. And a lot of musicians do exactly what you just said. Yeah, you you know, I've tried
1: (laughs) to open the book and and I just sit there, you know. It's just blank and nothing comes to mind. It it just feels forced for me. And, like, anything I create, like, I don't want it to be forced. I want it to, like, come natural and just be raw.
0: Yeah, I think that's the muse. I mean, that's the way you say some artists can just kick into the muse. It just happens. And, you know, if they try to write it down, they lose it. And I just found, you know, over my recording career, I used to sit down and try to plan things out. And then now I just like go into my recording studio and I just put stuff down. And then I just, you know, it just, whatever I feel, you know, you, you do it with the feeling. I think it comes out more honest if, if you do it that way. I, I totally agree with the way you're doing it. Um because there's a lot of stuff out there today that you can tell is maybe overproduced.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, for, sure. And, for and, sure. and
0: you can feel th- that there's a lack of honesty and it's just like, just that kind of crass kind of trying to commercialism of trying to structure things in in the same way with the same structures over and over again. Multiple genres are now suffering, you know, from country to, to pop to rock. Got all these people just have decided to have very formal, formula-based songs and yeah um, i like listening to singer-songwriters like yourself who come bring an honesty to it like in the indie world i feel that's where everything's really going on because that's where all the new artists are coming from on the SoundClouds. you know i've been on soundcloud for like 10 years and it's really that's where you find the acts to me that have have that kind of pure listening enjoyment that you used to get from like college radio (laughs) <laughs> Back in the day, <laughs> um that like that was the place people used to hear new bands. Either you just go onto a college radio station and that's where all the new stuff was happening, but now it's like on Soundcloud and youtube so what what do you feel about that? I was kind of jump to a question about like on the social media, the fact that you can get on SoundCloud that you can get out there on YouTube uh and you can get an audience oh, man. what do you feel about I... that?
1: Yeah, I think it's great. I've been telling people all the time, hey, man, if this is your passion, you know, even be outside of music, whatever it is. Like, we have so much opportunity now than we've ever had before. You know, now is the time to take advantage of YouTube because honestly, I don't think it's always, it's, you know, the world's constantly changing. Platforms are constantly changing. It's not always going to be like this. And I just, I just think that people who, really want to pursue whatever it is that they're into um can because of platforms like youtube and and spotify and just how easy technology has made it to be able you know to just simply record your song and upload it to where you know any platform you need to um it's kind of just taken the hands out of the gatekeepers and has put it into really you know it's made it uh, attainable and reachable
0: Yeah. I think Instagram is a big place for musicians. I I mean, I was originally on SoundCloud. I'm still on SoundCloud. I got like 90,000 listeners there and that's how like my record label, Bentley records found me. They found me on SoundCloud. And, um, and, you know, those platforms are getting the attention of record labels. If you look at like Instagram, there's record, indie record labels all over Instagram looking at artists and like, Going and liking your work and contacting people. And that's what happened to me. I had two record labels contact me because of my Instagram and because of my SoundCloud. And, you know, I've played some live shows in New York City and Boston, but it's really the the internet presence that actually got me the wider audience that make, made a label give me a distribution deal. And And it's really like, I don't think you could have done that. And back in the day, you had to go into the club scene. You had to go to CBGBs. You had to go <laughs> – you had to play a lot to get paid to, to even get these guys to say send an A&R guy to look oh, at Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah, and it's crazy because I think about that too, you know, back in the day how someone, they get their demo, their mixtape, and just, they just stand in line hoping that they run into who they need to run into to just give it to them. And there's so much – um there's so much work that was, you know, put yeah, into it. you had it to go play the Whiskey
0: a Go-Go and hoping A&R guy came in and saw you playing. Right. You know? And and then, you know, then brought it, you know, and then bring it in. And then it was a whole gatekeeper, like you said. You, you had to go to Olympia Studios. You had to go to Electric Lady. You had to go to the record plant to even get an album out that you didn't have the ability to record it, you know, at home and then push it to a record label, the gatekeepers would keep you from even getting there. Um, so I think that's what's cool. But then there's a flood of music and it's hard. Then you have to find ways to, to, to get people to pay attention to you because there's so many artists out there. How do you get get attention? So have you gotten like a strategy for, for getting your stuff out there or you've been working different things, venues or different places to get like word of mouth?
1: Yeah. So right now I'm in the process of recording all of my acoustic songs. Um, then I'm going to put them on an EP. I also have a separate EP I'm working on as well. And it's uh it's different. It's a different kind of style. Um, It's my same singing style, just on tracks. So a little bit more like R&B.
0: Oh, so you have like a full band, not just acoustic?
1: Yes, I've, no, I've been working with a producer, and um, he's been producing these tracks for me, and we've been going back and forth uh, working on them. So it's it's been different because a majority of what I've been playing has always been acoustic, so it's definitely been a learning process for me. But, you know, it's fun. It's fun. You're not growing if you're not learning. And Yeah, that's what um, I was saying.
0: So it, the genre that the, your producer is doing is in the same kind of van or is more like R&B or more pop or more rock?
1: um you know it's more it's more like indie meets slow hip-hop tracks cool I so you're really using know. like
0: drum machines and like like 808s or or like real live drummers or
1: yeah yeah, yeah. so there's real real guitar um guitar instrumentals there's there's some snares and drum tracks mm-hmm. um so it's, it's really different i kind of have been learning more about myself and (laughs) i've been i want to definitely venture into different genres of of different styles of music you know whether it's acoustic or r&b or just anything that really i feel or like i want to flow to you know why Mm -hmm. not
0: yeah would you ever think of like heavy electronic not edm but kind of like what i do is i do kind of progressive electronic um, which is a new kind. Of, well, if this the genre I'm into is really big in like Berlin, and London, and like out in LA, and it's like we're not DJs, but we're synthesizer players that put together all this analog, atmospheric synth sounds that are very like uh, you know strange and different, kind of going back. Oh you know, you
1: know, yeah, I'd have to hear that, man. I love yeah. Different.
0: My well, you, my, yeah. If you listen to me on my on my um instagram you can probably see some of the clips of my stuff it's uh it's very you know moog it's all rolling analog uh stuff you know modular synth stuff it's like and i use a voice order and i actually play a character Josephine being electric is the lead singer of family mm-hmm. of ghost and she's me <laughs> i, I created, love it i created a female character kind of like uh Ziggy Stardust or uh, Princess Camille, <laughs> y- using like Roland Voicoders. I use like VT3, VT4 Voicoders, which are synths, but they change your voice in real time. Right. And you, you can make them into. I use them to create a character, uh, and so I have this character. You know, Deontay Electric is the lead singer of Family Electric Ghost. She's the ghost. And the whole like, concept of, out of the band is that we're ghosts. That's and,
1: cool. And, she's, That's the, really and she's
0: the lead singer and. And then I'm the keyboard player and I'm Phantom and she's Josephine. And that's the whole idea. But um, yeah, so I mean, what I do is very strange and kind of out there. It might not be <laughs> what you're into. But yeah, I've collaborated with other folks in the past. But yeah, I like to play with like, you know, jazz guys and like punk rockers and, you know, oh, play, any, yeah. anybody, anybody I, I can jam with, you know, I like to jam with because I don't like, I've jammed with hip hop guys, DJs. And it's just because I think like music shouldn't have any boundary. I think if you look at hip hop today, Mm -hmm. you get a lot of artists that like, you know, they cross genre. There's a lot of hip hop that's using jazz, it's using punk, it's using reggae. That's why I think like in music today, uh, if you cross genre, then you create something new. Right. And that's
1: beautiful. And it's just uniting people together.
0: Well, I think as an artist, you, you, can't, you don't, like you could grow if you just keep on perfecting your genre. Let's say, you like, all I'm going to do is bebop, and mm-hmm. I'm just going to stay in bebop. All I'm going to do is, like, Bach or Beethoven. That's fine. And you can perfect it and become, like, amazing. But I think when you start mixing the genres, then you actually do something that's unexpected. And I think that's how you create, like, you know, different differences in the art or new things uh, out of the out of the same old stuff, but yeah, I, I kind of digress. <laughs> I've been,
1: uh, I've been really interested in working with some rap artists, you know, just like indie, yeah. indie, uh, indie rappers, rap.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of them. I mean, you got the mumble rappers, you got all these different types of rap genres. They got the old school, you got, you know, you have people who do this everywhere. You have people going back to doing like Africa Bombada and you know, the it's old real cool. yeah, and it's have- been.
1: It's been a little tough for me, though, because, you know, I network a lot. I'm a very social person. I'm always out uh, Mm -hmm. talking about my music or talking to other people about their passions and what they do. Um, But it's been very hard for me to find a talented rapper who is humble and who is, like, (laughs) legit, you know? Because I just feel like these rappers I keep meeting, and not just pinpoint rappers. I mean, there's a lot of people with egos, but... I just I'm like, man, yeah, you'd be so awesome, but I yeah just a lot don't of like them were you like,
0: not to put down the industry, but there's a lot of people that would say, well, you pay me three thousand dollars and I'll do a feature you know and and, and I run into people uh, that they, they, they want to pitch and then I'm wondering, it's like are you just doing it for the money or doing it because of the artistic intention? because like I typically do collabs and it's all all the money is like we'll make it off the off the record. You know, we don't, I don't pay anybody up front, but there's a lot of stuff going on in some, some genres where it seems like it's all about trying to get as many features as possible. And maybe it's not a lot of like de- deciding if it's a good idea or not. It's more like the money.
1: <laughs> right. Uh, and yeah. so
0: then it becomes like, okay, what's well, this? It's not really that uh, artistically focused. <laughs> To put and it, in that and it way.
1: shows. It shows. Like I feel like you can feel it. You can hear it when artists collab, you know?
0: Yeah, a lot of times it's just it's like it's a way to get an income stream. And it's not necessarily good for the business because it puts a lot of stuff out there and people get expectations that they're gonna work with like a big name, but they pay them three thousand dollars and their song really doesn't go anywhere. And it's like, are you ever gonna get that three thousand dollars back when you only get point oh oh six of a penny on a stream? And so then to me, it's like, it's kind of like the bigger artist kind of ripping off the, the smaller artists. Um, yeah. That is not cool. Because like, if you're an artist and you really dig somebody's music, you collab and you work it out kind of after the fact and it, it what does well or it doesn't. You know, that's the way the whole, the whole indie world worked in the past. And still, I think in alternative music and in indie music, people don't worry about that. But there's some folks who are just all about <laughs> the <to De Niro. laughs> But
1: Yeah, uh,
0: yeah. So I mean, I'm not into that. I'm more into like, like, okay, we're glad we do it because we want to do it, and we see what happens. Um, exactly.
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's unfortunate that people are like that. But for me, I feel like you know, I've and I've had people ask me this before. People here in in Austin in the music industry that are higher up there. um, you know, what are you trying to do? Like, what's your initial goal? And, you know, I don't, I'm not trying to be famous. I'm not trying to be a huge celebrity. I really don't know if that's something that I want. I would just love to be able to turn my passion and sing for people and create something beautiful and be able to live off of that, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, you, you can be an indie artist and you could be like at fifty thousand, you know, follow, you know, at you know, a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand people following you worldwide, and tour, and as long as you're willing to go to like the Netherlands and go to London and, and travel, and you get a good management, and you get a decent following, and you create a good fan base because you're you're good to your fans, mm-hmm. you know, you can you can build an indie career. There's a lot of indie artists that live under like a million records like under a hundred thousand and just because they get good tour management and good concert promotion they just jump on the indie scene and they just play and you know i've been trying to do that myself and i i've been working pretty hard you know this year on on a lot of things but yeah it's it's hard to actually make a living as an artist just because there's all these things that prevent you from getting (laughs) enough money to actually live off of it but um yeah, it's, it's always the dream to do it you know to find a way to get some management to help you
1: yeah and I, and definitely now it's like it's so much easier more it just feels more you know as we were talking about technology in this era of more attainable
0: yeah because you can build a fan base by doing like like YouTube live you could go you know like I have like a device called a Roland and Go mixer and I do live uh, concerts for my home studio on Facebook live. And then push them out to YouTube, and to get, you know, my fans to to actually see me playing live, and they get, keep my chops up. by playing live from my home studio, and and then you know from there I get to do gigs like in New York and stuff. But I'm able to to, to keep my chops up and actually keep my my audience involved because I keep on you know putting out content, um, and that's because the way the streaming services are, and the fact that you could actually go on to Facebook and do a, or Periscope or Instagram. And you can do a show if you if you set up your iPhone on a on a, <laughs> on, a on a a boom mic, and then hook it up to this mixer. You, I'm able to get my whole studio sound coming through the neck um, at pretty good quality. And and then you can actually even on some platforms you can actually get donations to on those concerts. Um, so there's all kinds of cool things you can do today that you know you can actually build a following on the net before you even get into a, a, a venue <laughs> you know which a lot of bands have done but um I think it's interesting what you're able to do today
1: definitely yeah and there's just so many apps and you know all kinds of programs that just keep coming out I feel like that are making it uh easier and easier
0: <laughs> yeah you just I mean, gotta did... put the work in yeah, if you just put the work in, you can just do like a, a nice solo performance of a song and get it up, get like traction on it, you know, get like 10,000 hits, 100,000 hits on it, and then you then you start getting labels to pay attention to, you know, booking agents start paying attention to you, because they see your performance. It's kind of like when you were at the Whiskey A Go-Go and the A&R guy went and saw you at the front row. YouTube can give that A&R person that front row if you do a good performance, you know um so it's kind of up now it's just a matter of your kind of musicians you know practicing setting it up putting the time in it's not super expensive to set up something on youtube
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs) you
0: you can actually as long as you have a good phone that has a good camera and you get a good mic to mic up your instrument you know you can you can do a pretty good job and uh so you're you're already doing collaboration, like you said, you're working with a producer, you're working on a new album. Uh, when do you think that album's going to be ready?
1: Oh, man, I've got about three more songs. Uh, right now, we're just finishing. He's mixing, mastering these three. And then, I don't know, I want to say maybe like two months. My voice, I just lost my voice. It was out for about two weeks. So it's really set me back lately, but it's back now. So um, yesterday I recorded a song and today I'm going to, I'm going to, Get on the mic and start recording. It's just I can be a little bit of a perfectionist. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'll record over and over and over, and then pretty much the same song is sounding the exact same. So, <laughs> yeah.
0: well, it's good practice. But the question, so do you have a home recording, like use a dog to record yourself into? I or do. do
1: you- yeah, I do. So, I actually cleaned out my closet. I got this walk in closet and I built a, a studio in my closet. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. well, that's cool so what are you using because i'm a techie so I, I get into that
1: okay yeah um well i just have a condenser mic i you know just read a bunch of blogs and yep. top five ordered a condenser mic from amazon um got the insulations all the whole closet's insulated Yeah. um you know just studio recording
0: so you got yourself a booth inside your house yes and then what are you using like ableton or Pro tools or what what's your dog?
1: Right now I'm using GarageBand to record Garage in. And, and, and then play. yeah. Yeah, I would like to get into um
0: Apple. Actually, well, but... there's a lot of bands that have actually used GarageBand. There are big bands that have used it. They're like gorillas used it. <laughs> you know? What? Yeah. Gorillas use GarageBand on an album. No um, way, man.
1: Yeah, That's there so are nice. big
0: artists that have actually used it. Cause you can't, you know, it, it sometimes like you can use whatever tool you want. You know, it, like Bruce Springsteen used a four-track task to four-track Tascam cassette, like a regular cassette recorder, to record like a, Nebraska. Um, so you know, it doesn't really matter. Sometimes like, it, it's the kind of the quality of the artist, you know, can overcome certain things. I mean, Jack White uses like hundred-dollar plastic guitars. <laughs> You know sometimes because he just wants to prove that he doesn't necessarily have to be the best instrument in the world it's kind of like the artist um what you can do um but yeah there's a lot of cool things you can do with a lot of tools so some people always kind of you know all oh, you got to have this you got to have that And it's not necessarily true
1: yeah yeah i felt that at first um You know, I did a lot of YouTube research when I started realizing, okay, this is something that I want to pursue. I need to, I need to get a demo. I need to get my songs up. I need to get them recorded. And so I started doing research, and it was just, you know, in home studios, YouTube, bunch of DIYs. So I was like, okay, let's get this going.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Over time, you know, I I actually use like Zoom digital recorders, like twenty four track Zooms, Mm -hmm. which which I like better than like Dawes because. It's kind of like like you have a physical faders, you have physical, uh, you know, uh, compressing. No, everything's like not-perfunction. I'm kind of a, a not-perfunction guy. I use a lot of analog equipment. And it's kind of like going against using the PC because I have all this stuff that's just like hardware. Hardware sense, hardware drum machines, hardware recorders. Because then it's just hands-on. That you can go and play with the fader in real time. You don't have to menu dive into a PC and figure out where something is. You have all the dials, all the meters, all the things in front of you. Kind of like, you know, like I said, I'm a child in the 70s, and I like to see, physically touch it, like the recording equipment. (laughs) (laughs) So so I I built myself like a recording studio that uses like like old school stuff, Um, which is, you know, the way I like to record, though I know a lot of kids, they use the Mac or they use the PC, Mm -hmm. but... um, yeah you do what you want. I mean I just feel more comfortable being able to physically use machines that I can like grab a dial, grab a slider and actually get where I want to go immediately. but
1: that's pretty cool though you know a lot of like um, I'm a millennial, a lot of people around my age um, are trying to learn stuff like that because it's real easy to grab a Mac and turn it on you know but yeah. that's that's pretty cool.
0: yeah, I mean the the Macs and stuff are cool. But what I found is like I'm using, like, like, like if you're you're playing acoustic instruments, right? You're, you're playing, if you're playing like a guitar or a bass or a real piano, it's sometimes better to record into a like a reel to reel recorder or, or like an old tape machine because it just captures the sound. Kind of like when people make the argument about vinyl versus like MP3. Oh, uh huh. When you record with analog recording equipment and you record directly to tape, it kind of sounds a little more organic it sounds more full there's less compression going on I mean the, the PCs allow a lot of people to create a lot of art but there is, there is a compromise somewhat in some of the sound um, but if you go to a recording studio and have a producer they can overcome that with all kinds of devices but like if when you build your own home recording studio it's cool to get a lot of analog gear over time like 20 years over time I've, I've built up a lot of analog stuff And I would always recommend people like many analog things that you can get and you build your studio up as Mm -hmm. you get bigger. It's always like add a a level of quality to your recording that you can't really get with some of the digital stuff.
1: Hmm. Yeah, there's so many ways you can go about, you know, everything. That's what makes it so amazing because with the sound, you know, there's just different types of sounds and it just depends on how you produce and what you use and.
0: Yeah, I mean, cause they, like like you said, you did research on a mic. And there's so many different types of mics, and then there's so many different types of like uh, compressors and you know boards and uh, you know there's you can get tube amp like designed machines that can just like it, enhance everything you're doing. And so, like if you physically use a tube amp and you're like an electric guitar player, it's gonna sound like 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 you know like David Bowie's Ziggy Stardust. You know, it's gonna sound like <laughs> like, like the Who you know it's mm-hmm. not like zeppelin but if you use some of the stuff some of the stuff today will not we'll, we'll clip and it won't sound like pete towns it won't sound like jimmy Page. i think mean, there's a reason because you kind of got to use the old gear to get that sound there's some things that can kind of get to it but it's hard to get to it without the original stuff but um yeah i digress can i get into that but um <laughs> but um so like you, you said you're collaborating with a producer and you maybe want to collaborate with some rappers. Um you ever thought like like jazz musicians or, or like uh, poets, you know, po- do we like beat poetry? Uh and kind of like 'cause sometimes like to me, like poetry and, and, and being a musician or being a lyricist is kind of interrelated. Kind
1: of goes yeah. hand in hand.
0: Yeah. I mean a lot of stuff starts as a poem and then it turns into a song. Uh,
1: Definitely. Yeah, honestly, that's where I get a lot of my inspiration when I'm um, when I'm flowing, is I read a lot of poetry, like old cool. school poetry.
0: Oh, well, who are your favorite poets?
1: Oh, honestly, I just Google whatever I've been like feeling. Yeah. Like, it's kind of funny. I don't know. <laughs> um, I'll just Google, you know, whatever I've been feeling that week or if like something pops oh. in my head and then I'll just read a whole bunch of like poems on the internet from now to like way back when people posted them. And, um, you know, it, it's, a, it's a really good tool to inspire me to, you know, create and, and flow on when I need to. That, and I listen to a lot of, like, you know, Amy Winehouse, of course, but lately I've been listening to a lot of Jesse Reyes. I don't know if you're familiar with that artist or not. Yeah, I've heard,
0: I've heard. Yeah, that's yeah, cool. Cause Like, a lot of things, like, I actually go really back to, like, like uh, Victorian poetry, like, um... William Blake and Wordsworth and Longfellow and those guys, because they had this kind of weird, not weird, but they had a coded language to try to talk about romance. And they had all this, these layers of things without getting to the direct point. And
1: mm-hmm. sometimes
0: it's useful when you're a songwriter and you want to make something a little bit more like not as obvious.
1: Oh, yeah. Kind of
0: victor- the Victorian poets, you know, like if you get to like William Blake's famous Poem like Tiger, 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 how fear filled my symmetry, and there's all these ideas. Um, like uh, Lord Byron had this idea called Little Death, and Little Death was a way of talking about sex without saying sex. <laughs>
1: so, I love that. So I
0: so, so that. yeah. So it, well, I always find it interesting to use some of the old Victorian like uh, mechanisms in, in in the writing to like get. Instead of being, like, today, there's so many people that are just really direct, mm-hmm. but maybe too direct.
1: <laughs> All right, yeah, cause there's only so many, you know, times you can say I miss you. <laughs> <Yeah>. And <laughs> they,
0: finding ways to, like, put it into allegory and put it into other things. You know, it's kind of going back to, like, you know, what Dylan used to do or Neil Young, the the layers of, uh, like, singer-songwriters. Uh, you know, Carol King. You got these people that would really layer stories and make it more you know, uh, that can show the effort they put into it, you know.
1: Into the lyrics.
0: Into the lyrics. Like they tell telling a story or having layers of things where you don't, it's not obvious, but then you go back and listen to it. You keep on pulling things out of it. I think that's really like cool. Sometimes it's cool to have something that's plainly obvious, but there's other things it's kind of cool to kind of go back and you say, oh, well, maybe it's that, about that. Or maybe it's about this, you know.
1: yeah i love music that makes you think you know you hear it and you're like wait dang i've never thought about it that way
0: like the beatles yeah the beatles stuff was very layered with you know whether or not they were just like taking psychedelic drugs and making up stuff but but there's all these things that people are trying to find like different meanings to what they were talking about Mm -hmm. but but it was just the the level of effort they put into it you know, that I think that's what, you know, caused people to really, you know, they transformed songwriting, you know, in terms of like what you could talk about and the, the, the breadth of what you could talk about and the length of the songs. I think that just, uh, you know, is inspiring to any songwriter when you go back and look at that stuff. Uh,
1: it really is, man.
0: And today, I, I read there are a lot of bands today that do really good work, but, you know, it seems like there was a golden age of certain types of music. That you know, there might there's always something going on today that people discover and then say, "Hey, there's somebody at that level today," but you just don't know who they are.
1: (laughs) I know it trips Uh, me out when I think about that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, because there's lots of bands that get found out after the fact, Uh, right? And and they were operating, and then suddenly nobody even knew they were operating, and then people say, "Oh yeah, this band was great," like Lou Reed and the Velvet Underground. You know, everybody during the time they were active, nobody who knew who they were. But all of these people that listen to them happened to be like bands like REM, Tom Petty. And so there was a whole generation of these artists that listened to Velvets and then they were inspired to create music. You know, REM listened to like the Velvets. They listened to a band called Big Star with Alex Chilton, who was showing the box tops, who sang this famous song, The Letter. And they were considered like a really big American band, but they weren't well known during their time. But now the critics, after the fact that they're gone, Gave them like five stars for all three of their records. And they're not well known, but they almost everybody that listened to them created a big band. Like Billy Corgan, Massive Pumpkins, you know, uh like Michael Stipe, you know, you know, Peter Paul Westerberg from the replacements. Lots of bands like hear some of these like unknown artists, and they were inspired by them and kind of take some of their eyes, well, they get influenced by them. Um, and so I've always been interested in, in, in learning about what artists are, what their reference points are, mm-hmm. who they listen to and where, can you wonder like sometimes where did this come from? And then if you do a little research, you find like, okay, they were actually listening to this guy and you go back and listen to that guy, you can't say, oh, okay, now I see it. This didn't just come out of nowhere. This is actually got a history.
1: Yeah, and you can see the the correlation, the relation between the two. I've been listening to a lot of so far sounds. That has been honestly like a huge part of uh, my inspiration. I mean, every single video, every single artist that's on there is just like mind blowing. It's
0: yeah, so that's where you're getting a lot of reference for you for your style. Mm-hmm. can wait, Amy, White House. I can hear that. That's mm-hmm. really it, yeah, it's it's good that you know to have, be inspired and have reference points as an artist. And, you know, cause I think that's how you, you move forward in the genre, you can you kind of build off of, of what other people do. And then you get, I mean, that's what the blues is. The blues, everybody's built off like playing Willie McTell and Lead Belly. It's like the originators within like you, you stay within that and you just build to like a guy like Stevie Ray Vaughan or Hendrix, you know comes from that tradition, but it's like there's a tradition to it. <laughs> you know but um yeah so so are you playing live anywhere late, um what, or are you just in a recording mode
1: yeah so i was playing a, um a few live shows every weekend and <clears throat> right now i i put a a hold on that i'm trying to get everything recorded and just focus on this yeah um you know start really getting my um my brand out there online getting you know everything on spotify apple music Um, and then start promoting. And then once, once I've done that, I'll start playing shows again. But for now I've (laughs) put a halt on that.
0: Yeah. I mean, I did that this whole year I've been recording, um, like putting together an album for my, to label I joined. And, you know, in 2017, I did a lot of shows, but in, uh, 2018, 2019, I just been recording. And it's kind of like some bands will go and, and they'll use like their, their shows to, to kind of give them ideas. You know, some rock bands like to do shows and then that kind of inspires them to write new stuff. But I kind of like I, I, I kind of concentrate.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> so so I can't do that at the same time. But um yeah, it's cool. So you're 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 putting that together. I just wanted to let you know is like this um podcast is actually part of um Spotify. This oh. a- anchor is actually was was um was uh, brought on to the Spotify family and part of what uh, we can do with this podcast is um, we are distributed on like like 11 different platforms, including the podcast uh, platform on Spotify. So mm-hmm. when you this gets published, you'll be able to hear it on uh, Spotify podcast and Stitcher and Apple podcast and Radio Public is like 11 of them. If you go into your app, you'll see all the different ones. And I will send you links to the, the most popular ones uh, after the show. And right now we've got about um, sixteen thousand uh, listeners on our podcast, and we do have some corporate sponsors, so you will hear some ads <laughs> uh, on the podcast. But yeah, we—that's that's kind of price of being a musician. You gotta get support. Um, but yeah, we we've been you know able to move pretty good from having less than a thousand listeners last year to now we got like sixteen thousand, so that should help with your audience uh, to get you out there to a wider audience.
1: Wow. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good, man. You're only going to go up from there too.
0: Yeah. We're trying to hit 20,000 this year, which we didn't know, you know, at the beginning of the year we were only like, like 12 and then suddenly now we hit about 16 in the last, like a month. In this month we hit like 3000 more listeners mm-hmm. uh, in, in a single month. <laughs> so we're, we're on track to hit like 20,000. So, that keeps on pushing out all the people that we interview, and we've been really uh, trying to do something. Cause we found there were some people on the net that were asking artists to pay for interviews. And we felt that, you know, we can get sponsors and we don't have to ask artists to pay because we're artists ourselves and we know artists are struggling and they don't need to have to pay for that. Uh, so we like to be able to bring new artists, uh, indie artists to, to, to our audience and, and discuss how they put together music and how they what they feel about music and what they do so that's yeah, what that's, this is all about. that's
1: so dope that makes me so happy like I've been smiling for like the last two minutes
0: <laughs> and what we like it's... to do too is like when your album is ready mm-hmm. uh, we have done uh, song by song uh, discussions of, of your album uh, the last week we talked to a band called, uh, from from um, from, uh, I think, uh, Philadelphia called Sex with Roller Coasters. And they're like an indie punk indie alternative band. And they had a brand new album called Dweeb. And we went through every track on Dweep for like an hour and talked about every single track. And we've done that with Kendra Black out of New York City, who's like a signed artist. And we Talked to her about that. So if, when you're ready, uh, we'll have you back on. And we can uh, premiere your your record in terms of like talking about every song.
1: Great man. yeah I'd love to do that man I'm just so grateful like thank you so much uh, for reaching out and I'm super happy to be able to talk with you like this is the first time I've done this and you just seem like very genuine and i'm I'm really excited so thank
0: you well i I'm a music fan. I love music. I've got like a big collection like every genre you can imagine and i I just feel that like the music industry needs to have more places for artists to play uh you know a, a more like back in the 60s there was more like you could. You, there was a com- community it was like very you know not this is the hippie idea but the idea of like you know if you, you just pay it forward you, you like you give a, a band an opportunity like if you get a show and you see somebody you like you invite them to open up for you you know that you you know you you go and you build a venue and you have a bunch of bands like play that venue and you get, like, you start building up a base. And, it, you know, and that's what I'm into. And I'm trying to to kind of do that online <laughs> for, with all the people I talk to. So eventually the dream is to have a family Electric Ghost, like all the artists that have been on the show, like do a tour with every band I've talked to and actually get a venue to let us, like, have all the bands play. Oh, that, that's, man. Nice. that's an idea I'm kind of been not really talking about it till now i've been Mm -hmm. thinking about how to do it but now Mm -hmm. i'm kind of that my audience just keeps on getting bigger and i'm just kind of putting it out there that's that's an overall goal that i want to get to and uh, i'm going to talk to all the bands i've talked to but i'm telling you so eventually like all the bands i talk to we're going to try to figure out a way to do that
1: well i'm on board and i fully support this and i think that's an amazing idea that's
0: yeah, there's been, you know, there's a Lollapalooza, you know, they've got, you know, the the all these different like different uh events that kind of happen uh every year. Electric Daisy, this stuff, you know, and I'm feeling like, okay, well let's try to create something. Even if we create like a YouTube online like concert. Yeah. We, we we have all the bands play from their home studio <laughs> and, and set it up. Initially, just to kind of get it out there. But this this idea to kind of build a community uh, and have a way to get all the bands heard. You know, can we talk? What we also do, like, you know, we'll put your links onto the podcast. So, like, we'll take your SoundCloud profile link and put it up here. We'll take your website and put it up. And they're clickable. Uh, Initially, Spotify didn't make them clickable, but they just fixed it. So now when we put the hyperlinks onto your podcast on Spotify, people can actually click to your song on SoundCloud or click that to helps. your main website as, as part of the podcast. Yes. So that's cool. So yeah, we're hope we'll hopefully we'll get to talk to you again when your album's ready. We'll just let us know, just drop us a line and uh, we'll, we'll work something out and schedule you again for, for a premiere uh, type of discussion.
1: Yeah, for sure. I'll definitely reach out. Thank you so much for having me.
0: No problem. So, this was uh, Charity Ray, and uh, we're looking forward to hearing more music from you. And, you know, maybe we'll get that concert thing going in 2019. <laughs> All
1: right, man. It's going to happen. Sounds good. Okay. okay. Thank you. All right. You're welcome. Thank you. Bye. Bye bye.